All right, well, the NFL season is right around the corner. You have OTAs across the league, plus their owners' meetings taking place in Atlanta, Georgia. So it's time, baby, to bring back Vegas Nation, our weekly Raiders podcast. Hello, I'm Brian Salmon, and as always, we have Raiders beat writer Michael Gelkin, who's in Alameda, of course, with the team every day for OTAs. And out in Atlanta, GA, NFL writer for the Review Journal, Hilberto Monsano. Guys, you ready to talk some NFL football? Ready. Let's do it. I guess National Football League football. I guess that's redundant, NFL football. I will not use that ever again. All right, we're going to start with you, Gilbert. Usually start with Michael, but we're starting with you, Gilbert, because uh, obviously the owners' meetings are, are huge down there. It's big news to Las Vegas and to the Raiders, the possibility of hosting a draft and maybe a Super Bowl. Wednesday was supposed to be the day that we got some good news about the Super Bowl or the draft coming to Las Vegas. So, Gilbert, are you the bearer of good or bad news? Is uh, no news uh, good news? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, there's really not, 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 there's no news for Las Vegas. They did award a 2019 NFL draft to Nashville, uh, Super Bowl, I'm forgetting what year, oh, 2023 and 2024 to Arizona New Orleans. But Las Vegas did not get one of those events just yet. They're kind of the way to see approach. Uh, Las Vegas is fighting for 2020 NFL draft. Uh, they're in the mix with Kansas City, Cleveland, and, and Canton, Ohio, that combined bid there. It seems like Cleveland and Canton are the kind of the front runner to get 2020. Uh, uh, but I spoke to Mark Bedane. He's not going to you know, bow out. He's going to keep fighting to get the NFL draft in 2020. And it seems like the Super Bowl could be maybe after the, the, after the New Orleans Super Bowl. Uh, Super 59 or Super 60 for Las Vegas. So it seems like it's coming, but not anytime soon. So you have to wait and see for the draft and the Super Bowl. How about uh, Bedane? Was he, obviously, I'm assuming that he was a bit saddened by the news, but did he show any outward emotion as far as being disappointed in the fact that we didn't get the uh, draft or a Super Bowl? I spoke to him. He said he's not disappointed. He he said he had a feeling they're going to postpone the, the draft, you know, coming into the meetings. He wasn't sure, but he, they kind of hinted that they're going to, you know, wait to see. Uh, the NFL is going to probably not make an announcement on the NFL draft until October. So that's still quite a ways away. Uh, but it kind of felt like maybe Badane was, you know, maybe a little frustrated with the process. He did, You know, he kind of showed he didn't really say it. But he, like I mentioned, he's not going to get too frustrated. He's going to keep pushing to get that draft. You know, he said, you know, it's Las Vegas. You know, when it, when it comes to an event, they're always a front runner because there's so much to offer in Las Vegas. So they, they remain confident in him and Mark Davis. So we'll see. But like I said, it's going to be another few more months and, and they're going to keep pushing for it. OK. All right. Well, Michael, let's go ahead and talk about OTAs. Obviously, they're practices, but they're not really supposed to be practices. Uh, how have injuries affected what the Raiders have been able to do out in Oakland? Guys like Amari Cooper not finishing practice, Donald Penn kind of still getting through that that foot deal, and Obi Malafonwu. Uh, obviously, I've heard how John Gruden hasn't been all that pleased with him. How have injuries affected what they've been able to do with, with their OTAs out there? You know, all in all, they've been able to get their work done. The absence of some of those players that you mentioned has simply allowed you know a guy like David Sharp to be working with the first team offense. You know, second-year player, former fourth-round pick, you know, working out first-team left tackle, whereas that would be Donald Penn. Uh, Penn's getting better coming off of that December foot surgery. He was at least handling some of those first-team reps in walkthrough pace, but when it comes to actually being full go, the Raiders are still taking a bit of a precautious approach. But he's he should be full go come training camp. And 
that 2017 rookie class for the Raiders was just battered by injuries. You had Gary on Conley, a cornerback first round pick with a shin injury, only played two games all season, had surgery. You had second round pick Obi Malafanu who had knee surgery before the season, uh, arthroscopic procedure on a torn meniscus. He missed the first eight games and then a hip surgery ended his season later in the year. And then you had third round pick Eddie Vanderdose, the defensive tackle from UCLA, who in the very final quarter of the very final game on the last day of the year, <laughs> tears his ACL. And so Eddie Vanderdose, not quite back at full speed, really. They're taking it, you know, understandably, you know, reasonable approach with him. Uh, but he should be set come training camp as expected. Uh, you have uh, Garyon Conley, who looks fantastic. He's handling everything from a first-team drill standpoint. He's out there opposite Rashawn Melvin, and that pair is fully slated to be what the Raiders will have entering the season on Monday Night Football against the Rams. But then, second-round pick, Obi Malafonu. That's where it gets interesting. As you reference John Gruden, you get the sense of building frustration about how slow it's taken for him to really get up to full speed. I believe that Obi Melifanu wants to be out there on the field. There's nobody who wants to be out there more than him. But thus far, you know, you, you know, you see the freak athlete. But when it comes to just being on the football field, don't forget this is a guy who also had an ankle injury during training camp that you can pair up with those those surgeries, the aforementioned surgeries that happened in August and later in the year. It's just been a, 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 a start to forget. And so uh, you can kind of just sense that around the Raiders headquarters where they really would like Obi Malafon would be out there. Alas, he's not ready. And that's one thing they talk about in professional sports. Part of being a good player is being available because you, you can't be a good player if you're not ever available to play. So, that's interesting. Well, I guess you'll keep an eye yeah. on that. Obviously, you'll keep us abreast yeah. of that. Most important ability is availability. That's what they say. There you go. I, I, I couldn't think of the term, but of course, Michael Gelkin has my back with that. Guys, it, it seems like we just started this thing, but still, we need to take a quick break, pay some of these bills. We've got some great sponsors. So we'll be right back with more of our Vegas Nation podcast with Michael Gelkin, Raiders beat writer, and Hilberto Monsano, NFL writer at the Review Journal. We'll be right back. Let's go be spontaneous. Let's go out of our comfort zone. Let's go make the most of it in the Toyota Corolla. Toyota, let's go places. Oh yeah. The Toyota RAV4, it's up for anything. Toyota, let's go places. Hello, welcome back to our Vegas Nation podcast. I'm here with, I'm Brian Salmon, obviously, here with Michael Gelkin. He is the Raiders beat writer in Alameda, California, covering the Raiders, and he is the man in the know, more so than myself. But Gilberto Monsano is, is right close behind, neck and neck with him, the NFL writer at the Review Journal, who is in Atlanta, Georgia now, covering the owners' meetings. And Gilbert, we talked about... Las Vegas possibly getting the draft, Las Vegas possibly getting in a Super Bowl. That was why you were down there for the NFL meetings. But it seems as if what has taken over the NFL meetings were the anthem protest, which it really wasn't a protest, but the anthem, uh, the new rules for the anthem. I guess what sort of reaction have you received from some of the owners coming out and talking about some of the different rules changes that they have? One of them I heard obviously was that the fact that players who choose not to stand can stay in the locker room. That's one of the new changes. Also, uh, that players who 
they have they have to stand and show respect for the flag, and if not, uh, they can they can get a fine by either the player or the team. So those are a couple of the new rules. But what what sort of feedback have you heard or reaction have you heard from some of the owners? It's kind of funny, like you mentioned, when I when I when I got to the meeting, for me it was all about Las Vegas and and getting the Super Bowl and the draft. So I kind of forgot about the whole national anthem dilemma. So I was always a, I was always a random guy asking a Las Vegas question when everybody was asking about the anthem. I got there to do my job, but it still it still is a big deal to have this issue solved. I don't know if you want to call it an issue, but for the owners, it is. Uh, but with the sense that I got, it, it kind of felt like they just want to get get you know get get over with you know get a, get a solution and get it over with because. It felt like they kept saying, we want to get back to football. We don't want to keep being on CNN news like Jerry Jones said. So you kind of want to, you know, that whole, the, the old adage, of stick, stick to your sport or stick to football. It's, it's the kind of the vibe that I got. I felt like it was kind of a compromise, not really a resolution to the whole protest. So, and as we saw in social media, a lot of people didn't like the whole, you know, you know, the, it kind of felt like it was a force, you know, to stand or not kind of thing, even though the, the owners said it's, we're not forcing anybody to stand. But if if you do if you do uh, your uh, team will be fine. So so in that way the players weren't really involved. It was all about the teams and the owners. Uh, the, the NFL Players Association I think they already you know said they're gonna you know try they're gonna look it over. They don't really agree with everything. So when it comes to saying that they, they saw all these viewpoints, they talked to fans and players. I didn't really get that sense. I felt it was more league officials and owners. So. <laughs> I, I think there's still a long ways away. I know the owners want to get you know get this problem you know settled settled in in the off season and just kind of move the football when the fall comes. But I don't think this issue is going to go away anytime soon. Now now Michael that yeah that's I don't think it is either. Michael you've obviously kept up on it. You've seen the the new rule changes. I, I saw the tweet that you sent out. I sent out one. Gilbert sent out one as well. And I'm, I'm sure you've heard that. Well maybe you haven't heard. Did you hear about how the Jets owner? Um, somewhat reacted to the whole new rule saying that basically he's not going to find any of his players and the Niners ownership group as well saying that they're going to they're they're not necessarily going along with the the rules of the um the new anthem rules did you hear that at all Michael I did see all that reaction I did yes okay and the reason I asked that is you know you dealing with the Raiders and being there have you heard and Raiders being somewhat of a Maverick team in the past uh, with owner Al Davis back in the day? We all know how the Raiders came about. They were one of the Maverick teams for the most part in the AFC. Have you heard anything come out of the Raiders camp in, in regards to the, the new anthem changes, the rules changes? Not as of this podcast. Uh, I reached out to the Raiders uh, earlier uh, for, for uh, shortly after this decision was announced. Um, to see if there was going to be any sort of team statement. Um, I was going to pass it on to Gilbert if I, if I got it. But uh, spokesman said that as of, as of now, uh, one wasn't planned, but they would keep me por- posted if one did come. Uh, one hasn't, so no statement from the Raiders. And it's a, uh, you know, it's a tricky situation. I, I think, obviously, the league wishes it would just go away. Uh, when Donald Trump is president and he's speaking at rallies, eh, that's not really going to happen. And with midterms coming up, uh, you know, the NFL being a punching bag at some of these rallies, I think it's something the league wanted to avoid. You know, you, it's it's a very delicate uh, situation because what this protest was supposed to be about really isn't what it's about anymore to a lot of NFL fans. We, yeah. uh, it, it was supposed to be about issues, particularly those affecting the black community in the United States and athletes such as Colin Kaepernick and others. And we've seen it 
branch out where it's included athletes of all colors, but, uh, you know, all races um, are, are, are speaking out about those issues in that community specifically. And it's morphed into this, you know, they're not protesting the issues they're protesting the national anthem, which is a real important separation from what the message really is. And so I think you have the reality is, and if I can say it, you know, I, I think the NFL is a bit afraid of Johnny Beercan, who's watching at home and, and doesn't like seeing black athletes protest the national anthem. And it's just this, there's this stigma associated with this whole movement that I think is just, it's, the, mess, the message has been lost. And so you have the league that cares about what the fans uh, feel in terms of their connection to the game. They don't want to lose fans over this. They don't want the league to be just, you know, brushed into the mud for, for months you know, into November. Uh, you know, they want to avoid that. And so this was their solution by saying, okay, any team, any player on any team in the league, you know, if, if you protest during the anthem in public, then that team gets docked and it's up to the team itself to decide what it does with the player. Um, so they're passing some of the onus to each individual club. I think ultimately this is the league's attempt to answer some of that criticism that you hear at rallies and you hear from a certain segment of fans. And in the meantime, it seems like to, I'm sure a lot of players, and I, this is just from more from having covered this for years, but not having spoken to any directly following this announcement, but I'm sure there are a number of players around the league who feel like their interests and their voices weren't fully heard because the league felt they had to protect itself uh, for certain segments of their fan base. Wow, that, that's a beautiful take. That's a perfect take, a take that I agree with. And uh, a few things. One, Johnny Beercan. I like that. Gilbert, that's pretty good. Johnny. <laughs> I like that one too. Yeah, first big up on Johnny Beercan. And second, you're right. A, a lot of players definitely, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but there are players that feel as if their voice isn't being heard, i.e. Eric Reed uh, for the 49ers. So uh, he had you know, lots to say when this deal was struck for the most part in terms uh, towards uh, Malcolm Jenkins, who was one of the leaders of the players. Uh, going along with the, the anthem rule changes and whatnot. So, uh, okay, so I wanted to touch that. Also, if I could, Michael, I wanted to ask you quickly, the Raiders in the OTA program, uh, it, it, has there been any, I guess, winner of, of OTAs? I mean, it's kind of odd to say that. It's not even a practice. It's just organized team activities, but we all know what it really is. But who, who has really made out? You said Garyon Conley is a guy who John Gruden has said a lot of good things about. But has there been any winner, for the most part, who's uh, you know, shown to be maybe better than they, they thought he would be or a surprise, a rookie or anybody uh, in terms of uh, participating in OTAs for the Raiders? It's really early still. I'd probably have a better sense in a couple of weeks as OTAs wrap up. Uh, I know on, on Tuesday when the Raiders practiced, it was the first time all offseason that offensive players were able to go against defensive players. And so it was the first time that you had say, Garon Conley covering Jordy Nelson or Martavis Bryant running routes or, you know, Sharice Wright, a cornerback the Raiders signed to a one-year contract, you know, having a double move that the Raiders tested him on and he stuck with Steph Roberts every step of the way. So you see little glimpses of those things. I think Garon Conley, as you mentioned, you know, just that he's back to health. And let's not forget that this was a guy who, at this same time last year, looked like the Raiders' best cornerback. And I say that with TJ Carey and Sean Smith and David Amerson, you know, veteran guys who were there. 
and Garon Conley looked like he was on another level, uh, just in terms of what he brought athletic, athletically, his, his fluidity, just the way he moves, uh, his awareness, his ball skills. I mean, everything you know checks off. You know, granted, it's still non-contact, but you're seeing that again here this year. And so, if for Sean Melvin, who's had trouble staying healthy, and Garon Conley, who last year had trouble staying healthy, can get through OTAs and mini camp and training camp preseason, all that healthy. The Raiders feel pretty confident about that duo. So I think that so far is probably the one biggest takeaway is just having Garon Conley healthy at corner. Okay. And lastly, of course, I'm talking to Michael Gelkin, Raiders beat writer in Alameda, and Gilberto Monsano, NFL writer at the Review Journal, who's in Atlanta covering the owners' meetings. Gilbert, lastly, what news did you hear, if anything, about gambling from the NFL owners and enthusiasm for the, the NFL actually embracing gambling. I mean, basketball is doing it, the NBA. Baseball, uh, you know, I, I doubt they're ever going to let Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. But have you heard anything in regards to gambling and the new uh, laws that are going to be passed uh, nationally? Yeah, surprisingly, again, the, the whole legalized uh, sports betting wasn't really a big topic at the meetings because it's all about <laughs> the anthem again. Uh, but, you know, th there was a few questions there, and, and it kind of felt like all the owners took the wait-and-see approach. They kind of seemed intrigued by it, you know, how, the, how they kind of use it to their benefit, how they kind of work with it. Um, but everybody's kind of just they just want to see how it is. But the one that's not, obviously, is always uh, Jerry Jones. Jerry gives Jones. You, gives <laughs> you the best quote, and he, he, he loves the business venture. He loves the money. So he had a lot to say about that. He, he gave me the quote saying that, you know, for Las Vegas, it, it, it could be a good thing for them because, uh, you know, gaming has always kind of felt like a, a, a bad thing, a, a thing you do at night, you know, when you're out to, to get into shenanigans, all these crazy things. But he said game, gaming is now like a family thing. Gaming is entertainment. Gaming is normal now. Uh, he said that he's been, you know, watching how they deal with it in, in the U.K. and in, in other sports, how they kind of incorporate gaming and sports together. Uh, so he, he's, very, he's very caught up with it. So I kind of feel like... You know, when Jerry Jones says something and he really, feels really strongly about it, the other owners will follow. So I think they're going to find a way to kind of, you know, get some money out of this uh, this gambling, uh, sports gambling thing. You know, I've been, uh, you know, reading about possibly having it uh, available at stadiums to get people from to get it from their HDTVs and go into the stadium and have an app and you can bet on sports there some type of way. Uh, as you can see now that, you know, a lot of people don't want to go starting problems or you have your flat screen so it's gonna be a way to bring people to, to buy tickets so uh, it's still really early but i feel like they're gonna figure out some way to, to use it for their benefit there you go jerry jones talking about gambling jerry jones being a trailblazer and talking about how to make money i think he knows how to do that i think he knows how to do both those things very well so that'll wrap up our vegas nation raiders podcast it seemed like it was only two minutes, but uh, I think we've been talking for like three hours now, guys. So uh, we, we we must go now. We must go. Thank you very much, Michael Gelkin, Raiders beat writer in Alameda, California. Hip hop Thanks, guys. Appreciate having me. Yes, Always yes, fun. yes. And uh, Hilberto Monsano, thank you very much for joining us. NFL writer at Review Journal, who is in Atlanta, Georgia. My name is Brian Salmon. This is Vegas Nation Podcast, folks. We will see you next week. <laughs>